The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, and from the north and the south, and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. I mentioned in a homily at the beginning that I sometimes find, maybe you do too, that we get mixed messages from the Bible. We hear one thing said here, and in another place it gets contradicted. And we can find examples of that in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. And we can find some examples in tonight's gospel. So Jesus is saying, you will knock, but you won't get in. And I will say to you, I don't know who you are, where you're from. And they will say, we ate and drank with you. And he'll say, I don't know you. But aren't there other places where he says, knock and the door will be opened? So which is it? Are we supposed to knock and be assured that the door will open? Or are we most likely not going to be allowed in? And then we hear in that same gospel story that there are all these strangers who are going to come to the kingdom of God from the north and the south and the east and the west. They'll be let in, but the people who knew Jesus won't be. And they're going to stand outside looking at all of these people, the likes of whom they don't know, all sitting down at table in the kingdom of God. Which is it? 
I think we can get some better grasp of that contradictory climate in the gospel if we understand the whole context of where Jesus is heading when he says all of this. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to be betrayed, handed over, and killed. So the cross awaits Jesus there. So perhaps these rather caustic remarks are permeated with that reality that faces him. And he's not so much talking about people or criticizing individuals as much as he is criticizing presumption. Because that's what all of these people that won't get in are guilty of. They're presuming that just because they ate with Jesus, were in his company, listened to his teaching, just because they did those things that they're automatically guaranteed entry into the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not just that, it's much more. As much as you can hear and join in my company, you have to follow me to the cross. That's the reality that awaits every disciple. Because only there are we completely forced to surrender to God in that moment of death as Jesus experienced whereafter comes that new life of resurrection. So I think Jesus is getting to his disciples, trying to get them to realize that it's not just these external observances, as important as they are, that have to be kept. Those things have to touch on a very deep interior level in the disciple that allows or invites him or her to go all the way with Jesus to the cross. And it's something that we can all be prone to do, I think, to presume. And I find that the more religious traditions have of practices and devotions, the easier it is to start presuming. And we Catholics have a lot of those, and that's a good thing. You know, we light our candles, and we attend the liturgy, and we have devotions, all of which are so vitally important for a healthy spiritual life, provided they draw us deeper into the mystery of Christ's death and resurrection, because that's the heart of it, following him to Jerusalem, to the cross. There's a beautiful story told of a rabbi who was conducting class for his students and emphasized the importance of studying and reading the Torah, the first five books of the, the Hebrew scriptures. And he says, it's important that you study those and read those and pray those so that the word of God may dwell on you. And one of the disciples said, what do you mean dwell on us? Wouldn't it be more significant to say the word of God dwells in us? And the rabbi responded, 
Only God can make his word dwell in us. All we can do is everything that's possible to hear and preach and believe and teach the word of God that dwells on us. And the only time it's going to dwell in us is when our heart is broken. And then the word spills in. A beautiful image. When the heart breaks, then we understand fully that mystery of love that took Jesus to the cross. And when the heart is broken, then the word of God can be most eloquently received. So we can ponder that in all of the beautiful practices and devotional customs that we have that allow that spiritual life of the church to dwell on us. And then when our hearts break open, for whatever reason, it can be joy, but usually it's grief, then the reality of those blessings come into us. And that's when we're transformed into the likeness of Christ.